Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, the team preview series rolls on. Second one tonight, we are talking about the boys in Raleigh, the NC State Wolfpack. And we have a brand new guest on the show. First time he will be joining us. You want to tell us a little bit about him? New new guest, but same website, Joey. True. We reached out to Stephen Muma of BackingThePack.com joining us. We've had Will Thompson on in the past. He recommended that Stephen jump on instead. So, Stephen, what's going on, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing well. Doing well. Being being recommended by Will Thompson is high praise. So, big expectations here to live up to. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to talk about the, the NC State football team here in 2019, um, and appreciate you joining us to do so. Uh, before we get, I guess, before we get into this year's team, something that we talked about kind of recently on the podcast and wanted to get your take on, we, we'd struggled to get any any NC State fan opinion on this, but we talked a lot about Dave Doran and, and kind of his status within the program. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, he's had a ton of talent leave for the NFL. Um, 11 draft picks puts him up there with the elite of the elite over that two-year span. And and kind of, at least from my perception, would be feeling like it was a little bit underwhelming, the results that came with that talent. You know, it's the, the fact that it was 9-4 and four both years, um, losses to Wake Forest both years, you know, and, and struggling to get over that 10-win threshold. I in my mind, I would be a little bit frustrated, a little bit concerned by that, thinking that there's gonna he's gonna have a hard time getting any more talent than he's had. But I do want to ask you, from your perspective and you know your understanding of the fan base around you, is there any concern about those results? Or generally, I mean, we looking at this saying, I mean, nine wins is nine wins, and that's really good, especially in your same same division as Clemson. I mean, where where are we at with Dave Dorn on the results over the last couple of years, and kind of where his standing is uh, with the program? I would say, I mean, is there some frustration across the board? Sure. Is there, is it to a degree where people are saying maybe the the, sh- the seat should start to get a little hotter on Dave Doran? No, I don't think so. And and one of the, of course, one of the mit- mitigating things with that is the fact that Dave Doran has beaten North Carolina three straight years. That always helps um, kind of cool people mm-hmm. down. But, uh, and the other thing too is, I mean, it, you know, the people, you know, even people in the national media have noticed how many draft picks that NC State has had the last two years and with that defensive line two years ago um, all those guys playing well Bradley Chubb being a t- top 10 pick of course uh, you know it's it's understandable that there would be questions and I think uh, partly it's just a fact that well first of all it's a little bit unfair to just look at the raw number of draft picks without saying that you know x number of those guys went after the fourth round or whatever so it's not like we're saying like uh, you know we had six first round picks of the last two years or something like that. It was a good amount of talent. Don't get me wrong. But part of it is just that those guys were good, but not necessarily 
you know, elite, elite NFL talent coming out of college. Um, good players, though. Definitely a, a step up from where that had been. Um, I think part of the problem was just with the recruiting. There have been some misses here and there. And uh, NC State's not a great recruiting program, uh, no matter seemingly who is the coach. Um, over time, it's just kind of eventually water kind of finds its level no matter what. Uh, just some of the limitations between facilities and history and things like that. Anyway, NC State kind of recruits at a pretty typical average FBS three-star, maybe upper three-star type of level. And uh, when you miss in places, it uh, can create some problems. And sometimes you just get a little bit lucky. NC State did, I think, with the talent they had up front defensively and even on the offensive side at times. But there have been some big deficiencies in other position groups that have created significant flaws that other teams have kind of been able to exploit. So sometimes, uh, you know, the sum pieces haven't been able to create a, a a greater hole that you might otherwise expect based on say the draft picks. So I think that's an aspect. And then they've just lost some close games. The in particular in 2017, that they definitely should have beaten South Carolina and wake forest outplayed those two teams outgained them significantly. Uh, just one of those things uh, you flip a coin here and there, and uh, sometimes it just goes the wrong way. And uh, so it's just another one of those factors that you can't really blame one thing or another, but uh, so overall, I would say the mood is fine. That's fair. That, that's probably the best answer we've gotten. And, uh, you know, Joey and I have had several discussions around Dave Doran. So, okay, so 2017 happens, and NC State was a very good team in 2017. You mentioned the two the two close games that they lost. Last year, they come back. They win nine games in Ryan Finley's senior season. Now you fast forward to this year. You know, I think it's safe to say a lot of people are expecting this to be a rebuild year for NC State, just given the talent that they've lost specifically on the offensive side of the football. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with losing quarterback Ryan Finley. But you lose Finley, you lose two uh, thousand yards, thousand yard receivers uh, in Jacoby Myers and uh, Calvin Harmon, Harmon yeah. of course. So you lose Jacoby Myers and Calvin Harmon <laughs> along with Ryan Finley. And that's obviously a major cause for concern heading into the new year so assess the quarterback position I guess to start with um, you know it, it seems like you know everybody's expecting the at least the quarterback position to take a little bit of a step back based on the production of Ryan Finley but uh, tell me who the main candidates are I know Bailey Hawkman transferred in from Florida State but I know there are some other candidates there as well yeah Hawkman is in the mix uh, he's, he's in his first year in Raleigh so is uh, redshirt freshman Devin Leary he is a he was a pretty highly regarded prep prospect out of New Jersey when he was signed. Um, the probably the guy with the lead is Matthew McKay. He's a redshirt sophomore. He actually saw the field a little bit in some mop up situations last season, so he's been in the system the longest. I thought he looked probably a little bit, maybe a half step step ahead of the other guys in the spring game. So I would imagine that he's probably in the lead at this point, but it's a it's a lot of unknowns because, you know, the other two guys haven't seen the field at NC State at all, and McKay has played only a little bit. So it's uh, it's really hard to understand, to know what to expect out of any of them, whoever ends up starting in late August. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, not only are, are they going to be replacing the quarterback and, again, replacing quite a bit of skill talent around them. I mean, you want to talk about offensive rebuilds here – NC State's replacing their offensive coordinator to go with it. Um, Eli Drinkwitz leaves and goes to Appalachian State. He's replaced by uh, this kind of co-coordinator situation that 
a lot of teams have seemed to start uh, using, I guess, it, it really realistically, do we expect this to look any different than it has for the last few years under Drinkwitz? Or are there any you know significant changes that you expect here in the NC State offense schematically with, with new leadership there? In general, no. I think the, the approach will be very, very similar. These these are two coaches that have been with Dave Dorn for several years now. Uh, Des Kitchings, uh, who is one of the co-coordinators, had been the running backs coach for quite a while um, and also probably the ace recruiter on the staff. But he's been with Dorn since day one in Raleigh. So they have a good understanding, I think, between the three of those guys, what they want to do. And I wouldn't expect the approach to change at all. Just maybe some of the small things here and there, like maybe uh, – the team won't run quite so many stupid trick plays now that Drinkwins is out of the pl- out of the way. But uh, other than that, I would expect a very similar approach. They're only stupid if they don't work. Which was about ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> or at least that's what it felt like. Yeah. All right, I'll allow it. Um, all right. So offense loses a fair amount of talent, both around the quarterback, the quarterback itself, and then offensive coordinator. But stylistically, should hopefully look somewhat similar. So at the receiver position specifically, um, who do you expect to step up or who are some names that we should watch out for um, that, you know, either the new quarterback, whether it's Matthew McKay or someone else uh, we'll be throwing to here heading into 2019. Yeah. You know, you never want to lose two great standout receivers in one, in one year. But the good news is that this is probably the deepest position group that NC state has. So, I would expect Emeka Amezi, who last year was third in the team in receiving with a little over 600 yards to kind of step into more of a lead dog role. That should be fine there. Um, freshman breakthrough slot receiver Thayer Thomas is back. He should be pretty good um, reprising that role, returning kicks, that type of thing. Um, CJ Riley is another guy who is a little bit underutilized. Uh, he's maybe the fastest kid on the team, at least at the skill positions. And, uh, Perhaps we'll get a little bit more this season out of uh, tight end Kerry Angeline, who transferred in from USC, um, was another one of those kind of four-star washouts out of that program. Um, didn't really have much of an impact last year, other than a very crucial drop against Wake Forest in the end zone that would have turned that game the other way, but that's another story. Um, so that should be fine, I think, in general. And then maybe there'll be more of a reliance on throwing the ball to some of the guys out of the backfield because... Uh, Last year, Reggie Glaspie, the, the starting running back, really was not really much more than a bowling ball, so uh, not really someone you wanted to throw it to. Totally fair. It looks like Ricky Persons going to jump in and have a little bit of a larger role now in the running game. Of course, he was hurt a little bit last year, a little banged up. Is our injuries a concern with him, or is it kind of a one-off thing? Of course, he was, you know, he was a freshman last year. So, um, what's the sense of him, you know, stepping into yeah. more of the lead dog role at running back? Yeah, that, I think the health is, is the primary thing. He had several nagging things throughout, I think, the summer and the season. It was not just one thing. Um, he was able to play through it most of the time, but it was definitely something where I don't, I'm not sure that he was ever at 100% last season, but I think for sure he can be a significant difference maker. They also have a true freshman uh, kid. His name's Zonovan Knight. He ran for 100 yards, 150 yards in the in the spring game, long touchdown. Um, he's got a lot of buzz Around him this uh, this summer during camp, uh, I think he'll be someone who eventually sticks out and, and plays a role. But uh, I would expect, if nothing else, the, the running back position to be a little more dynamic this year. Uh, Reggie Glaspie, love him, but uh, he was really just a, kind of a one-dimensional north-south type of guy. Um, so there should be a little bit more 
um, dangerous aspects to the running game perhaps this year, if it's more, even if it is a little bit more unproven. I want to look at the defense, Stephen. Um, NC State's defense a, a few years ago, I mean, and again, just in 2017, I mean, you talk about all the talent again that was there. Um, Bradley Chubb at all, you know, on that defensive line and really in the front seven. Um, had to do a little bit of a rebuild last year. It it went fairly well. I think there were there were a couple of times where it was very hit or miss. I mean, obviously, the bowl game wasn't great. Giving up 51 points to Syracuse wasn't great. But a lot of other teams being held under 30 points, a lot of teams being, I mean, held Louisville to 10 points, Eastern Carolina to three points. I mean, there were also some really good performances in there. Um, so it was a little bit hit or miss. Um, having to replace, again, a Jermaine Pratt coming into this year, a few of those guys. What is the general expectation for the defense right now? Is it is it to improve from last season, or is it a feeling that what you saw is what you got, you're going to get, and you know that's just kind of what we're going to have to make do with, uh, at least defensively? I think personnel wise, they're they're better in a better place heading into this season than they were last year. I definitely expect the defensive line to be better. I think James Smith Williams going into this last year, he just looks like he's been preparing to kind of have more of a breakout impact. He's been waiting his turn on that defensive end area. Um, he was an important player last year, but he'll be better this year. Uh, big guy up front in the middle there, Laurel Murchison. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, doesn't get a lot of buzz, but he was he was really quietly very good last year. Ali McNeil played a defensive tackle as a true freshman. He was a well-regarded kid right out of state's backyard. Um, some of the, so there's a lot of talent and potential up there, um, up front. And But you're right about Jermaine Pratt. Uh, pretty much irreplaceable and outside of Pratt last season, the linebackers could be a bit of a adventure uh, in places, but uh, I expect the back end of the secondary to be pretty solid. Um, I think they'll figure out their issues at linebacker. They're a little bit deeper, I think this season than they were last year. So there should be some tangible improvements, at least on paper. It looks like there should be uh, the, the question would be that probably if there's, an unpopular coach in Raleigh, it's Dave Huxtable, who is the defensive coordinator, uh, who has not really impressed too many people with his scheming or lack thereof. Uh, state play is pretty vanilla, and uh, at times it feels like part of the reason they've underachieved is because of Huxtable on that side of the ball. Um, I'm not entirely sure how fair that is, but it seems to be part of the story that's been tied to the last couple of years, especially with that Bradley Chubb team. So uh, we'll see, but I think uh, they'll be a little bit better. I think, you know, looking at NC State's defense last year, 108th nationally against the pass, do you attribute that more to the defensive line and the inexperience with the pass rush, or do you attribute it more to the defensive backfield, which really on paper looks pretty solid even coming into the 2019 season? I think it was it was a little of both. Um, in particular, NC State struggled last season to get pressure um, regularly on a quarterback without bringing extra guys. So that was whenever that's, you know, whenever you struggle to do that and you have to bring pressure more frequently, that creates obviously some holes elsewhere that can be taken advantage of. And NC State's kind of had a lack of above average, good standout cornerbacks since Dave Doran's been here. Um, so it's a little bit of a combination of, you know, the secondary hasn't been overly talented or deep. Um, and then there's just been some issues with getting pressure on the quarterback. But I would expect at least the latter of those things to, to be improved in 2019. 
Uh, Stephen, we were talking before we came on, and one of the things that you mentioned had had kind of been a, a bugaboo over the last couple of years was the place kicking game and the special teams game in particular with NC State. Now, I mean, last year Christopher Dunn, a freshman, was pretty solid. I mean, he was twenty three for twenty six on on field goals. He made all fifty one of his extra points. Is that continuing to be a, a concern with him and kind of what we expect him to bring back, or do we think we might have found a solution here for some of those special teams issues? I think they found the solution. He he proved it. They really didn't ask him to do too much, which is why, partly why his accuracy was so good, is they didn't ask him to you know kick a bunch of fifty yard field goals last year. Mm-hmm. They really just really the first step was just moving beyond complete train wreck to getting someone that can actually make a forty yard and in field goal, which was what they had been lacking the the previous few seasons. Which also is partly why you might say they they underachieved in the win column. Um, just so just last year was a breath of fresh air, just having someone who could make a 30 yard field goal when you wouldn't have to stress about it too much. So uh, I think this year, what we'll see is maybe they, they trust him a little bit more. They lean on him more for the, the longer field goal attempts. But uh, I think he showed last year that at least he can be reliable on those kicks where you're supposed to make those. What's it going to take to beat Wake Forest? <laughs> <laughs> In Winston-Salem, uh, it's nearly impossible, possibly a, maybe a plague of some kind. Um, Nobody goes into the know. Hornets' nest known as BB&T Stadium and, and gets, <laughs> walks in and wins. NC State sure does, and I can tell you that much. Just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been frustrating the last couple of years because NC State has definitely been the better team, and uh, especially two years ago with that painful basically lost that game at the, in the last minute because they fumbled on a go-ahead touchdown right at the goal line. Um, but, you know, stuff like that happens in in Winston-Salem to us. I don't, I don't know why. It's, it, it extends to basketball, too, which is fun. Oh, good. Never ends. I, I, will, I will give you the credit, though, that that is a bit, of a, a bit of a Bermuda Triangle. I found the same thing for Charlottesville with Virginia. Georgia Tech has the weirdest games in Charlottesville uh, trying to play Virginia, and, and nobody can ever explain why or how. Yeah, it's just the, the mystery of college football sometimes, just these weird, what can you do, huh? Mm-hmm, tried mm-hmm. voodoo dolls. I'm trying another voodoo doll this year, I guess. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Whatever it takes at this point, right? <laughs> sure. All right, so outside of Wake. Well, I'll need you to re- I was going to say, I need you to report back and let us know if this one works or if we'll need to move on to another one. We can probably outsource and find, <laughs> find somebody to sponsor that voodoo doll. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say, like outside of Wake Forest, NC State usually does a pretty decent job of beating who they're supposed to on their schedule, at least in ACC play. Yeah, that's one thing you you can definitely give credit to Dave Dorn for. He's he's done a good job of beating the teams that he's supposed to beat. He just hasn't been able to really get that breakthrough win against one of those ranked teams or, you know, Clemson, of course. He's come close a couple times against Clemson last year being not one of those cases, but uh, the previous two years they were really close to getting an upset win over Clemson. And so that's been one of the reasons why people have been a little impatient at times is Dorn has not been able to have that real kind of breakthrough, big resume win. Just something you can put on the mantle, so to speak. But uh, yeah, he's done a good job against the teams that that aren't as good. Um, and that's, I would expect to continue. And real quick, I, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but that Texas A&M game in the Gator Bowl last year, what was the blowback like? Because I, I think that Joey and I were expecting Texas A&M to give NC State a rough time, but we weren't thinking it was going to be 52-13. to 13, I can tell you that much. Yeah, and it wasn't that bad going into halftime, honestly. But you know what? With the bowl games, to me, that's always just 
there's so many factors like, you know, who wants to actually be there and play and win. And also NC Kelvin Harmon didn't play in that game. Jermaine Pratt didn't play in that game. I was actually a little bit surprised that Ryan Finley did choose to play in that game. But uh, so all that stuff, you you know, it was, it was annoying, but with, with bowl games to me, it's, it's an exhibition game. So whatever. To the credit of the Wolfpack too. I mean, that was a buzzsaw of a Texas A&M team. I mean, I think Jimbo's got that thing about to get that thing humming and it, it's not going to show in their record this year because they have a legendary difficult schedule they're going to play. But I think that was just a bad matchup at a bad time for NC state. So I, yeah, I personally did not want to take too much from that bowl game for sure. No, I mean, it, to me, that's one of those, you could see very obviously um, that Jimbo walked into quite a bit of talent there. They were, they were definitely bigger, faster, just more talented overall. It was noticeable. So Mm-hmm. it's not surprising to me that NC State lost. It's uh, it's always kind of humbling, though. You can see the difference of the recruiting differential, basically, between teams that uh, recruit a lot of four-star players and teams that don't. Um, totally fair. Yeah, I think so. Steven, let's let's take a look at the schedule, Mike, if you're, if you're good to move on there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Okay. So it's a pretty, pretty soft landing here for the start of the year. Uh, again, if we talk about a bit of a, a rebuild, we're going to have to have East Carolina, Western Carolina, at West Virginia, and Ball State to start the year. Toughest game there pretty clearly in Morgantown against West Virginia, a game that we, we almost got last year, and then a hurricane made it, you know, ended up getting it canceled. Um, that, I would say that's pretty clearly the toughest game here, but even that, I mean – that's a pretty hard rebuild as well. Neil Brown, new coach there. Is it reasonable to think, I mean, that could slash even should be a 4-0 stretch starting out the year for the Wolfpack? I think that's reasonable, absolutely. At worst, it should be 3-1, and one, unless the new quarterback is a complete disaster. That's Again, that's always the, you know, that's always the thing that makes it difficult to, to ballpark when you go into years like this. It's just you don't know what level of quarterback play you're going to get until things get going. But yep. uh, East Carolina was absolutely terrible last year. The, that game in Raleigh was a joke. Um, NC State's starting center scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown in that game. So that was fun. Oh, hell but, yeah. Uh, that, that should be an easy one. Uh, I would sure I would expect uh, Western Carolina well, Ball State. Yeah. Well, Peisman, Peisman Trophy, actually. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, you mentioned again with West Virginia, they're going through some of the same things that NC State is um, obviously replacing a really, really good quarterback head coach. Um, so I feel like that that game could end up being a toss up as well. So four games in is when we start conference play Um, at the end of September, it's at Florida state. You get a bye week before you get Syracuse at home trips to Boston college. And again, to wake forest after another bye week, Um, then Clemson at home, Louisville at home at Georgia tech on a Thursday night and home against North Carolina. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of this sets up, decently i mean you don't have a ton of really tough games back to back you get syracuse at home clemson at home i got i mean i kind of feel like this sets up pretty nicely for nc state here all all things told i agree i agree um hopefully nc state can get some revenge against syracuse and playing on thursday night is always a is always a little bit of a leg up for nc state because of the crowd factor in those night games uh, usually makes a difference Um, i'm not expecting I'm not even considering the Clemson game as a win or even a possible win because that team is ridiculously talented. And frankly, it's not fair that their quarterback is that good. Um, but <laughs> Clemson should be Clemson should be stuck with an average to below average quarterback with all the talent they have everywhere else. They should have that one handicap for everyone else's sake. You know, that's it's just not fair. 
um, what they have. But uh, it's a you're right, it's manageable. That Syracuse Boston College Wake stretch is probably going to be what defines the season because I would fully expect NC State to be better than those last three teams on the schedule: Louisville, Georgia Tech, North Carolina. Two of which are at home. Uh, you know, Louisville will get better pretty quickly. I wouldn't be surprised, but next year, this year is going to be pretty tough, I think. And uh, Georgia Tech, uh, you could speak better to this than me, but just switching systems from one year to the next uh, from from the triple option seems like that might be a little bit painful at first. And then uh, UNC with Mac Brown, not, not sold on Mac, but we'll see. I mean, trying to figure out what Georgia Tech is going to be a week before Thanksgiving at this point is like a total lost cause. I have no that's idea. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that team's going to look like. You, you mentioned that stretch of Syracuse, Boston College, Wake Forest. Um, yeah, you get two of those games on the road, but you look at it and it's actually kind of nice. You get extra rest before each of those games. Syracuse on a right. Thursday night, you know, a week, two weeks after the Florida State game, then you, you get an extra couple of days inherently before going to Boston College, and then you get another week off before going all the way to Winston-Salem. I mean, that's that, that sets up nicely, I think, as, as nicely as it could for, again, the stretch that you're saying, and I agree, would probably define the season here. Yeah, it's definitely a fortunate turn that way. That that can be the advantage of playing those Thursday night games is you get a little extra rest on the back end. And certainly I think last year, particularly towards the end of the year, NC State was really hurting pretty bad, pretty limping to the finish. Uh, they were, they played, I thought NC State played pretty darn well that first month of the year. And then after that, they kind of started to, to hit the wall a bit with injuries. So if that happens again this year, hopefully not, but if it does, this will be pretty ideal in terms of allowing guys extra time to recover and, uh, you know, winning playing at Boston College, playing at Wake Forest. Those are never easy places to play just because there's never anybody there. But uh, both will be very winnable games. Uh, Syracuse again, NC State could have won that game in the Carrier Dome last year had it not dug a a pretty significant first half hole. Um, So I'd expect that to be maybe a toss up at worst. But so yeah, it's a manageable stretch. So so are the back three games. And then so it's, there's a lot of flexibility there depending how things go but I wouldn't be surprised at another winning season in conference play for sure. What are you thinking, Joey? Um, I think I see eight and four here. I think I see eight and four. Um, my, my biggest hangup I think would probably be the, again, the, the unproven quarterback situation and again, kind of new offensive leadership there. But I, I, I do think the schedule sets up pretty nicely. Um, you know, you'd probably rather play Louisville and Georgia Tech earlier in the season than later, but yeah. but I mean, it's it's you'd be putting a lot of eggs in those baskets to think that those teams are going to be significantly better, you know, than we think they might be. I, I mean, I think this sets up nicely for NC State. Um, I think there's there's a few losses in here. I, I think Syracuse even at home is going to be tough. Clemson. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, having North Carolina, I don't know if you can keep that streak up. Maybe, maybe not. That's new leadership. There's, I guess there's a lot of unknowns in general on the schedule. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go eight and four. I think there's definitely upside there, but knowing, I guess what, what NC state has had and what the records have been, um, and, and knowing that there's again, some, a bit of a rebuild or some replacement effort going on here. I I'm going to lean eight and four, I think there could be quite a bit of variance in that in either direction, though, just depending yeah. on how some things shake out. Absolutely. It just, I think I would say probably 
if the quarterback situation is underwhelming, then looking at more like six and six. But on the flip side, if it's more of a smoother transition there, it could, it could definitely be an eight, nine win year again, which would be pretty darn impressive, I think. But I, I think definitely you could look at, uh, say, a three and one start and winning five games in the ACC as realistic, given how things are set up. Um, but I could also see, I could even talk myself into just counting Wake Forest as a loss right now. But uh, yeah, I think uh, probably <laughs> Vegas has basically said over under at seven wins. I would say to me, I'm going to be a little bit optimistic and just say eight and four, five and three sounds good. Mike, what's your thought? Yeah, I I could see I could see NC State being anywhere from second to like fifth in the Atlantic. Like it, it's like that much variation, uh, depending on quarterback play, depending on new receivers stepping up and being productive, uh, depending on the defensive line taking another step forward and, you know, improvement in the back end of the secondary because they're, you know, there are some good passing teams you're going to be playing in the Atlantic. There are also some who can't throw the ball worth anything. So you, thank goodness for them, too. You do. <laughs> you do have you have those going for you. Um I'm going to say uh, I'm going to man. I, I hate to just sound agreeable, but eight and four does seem does seem right here. Um, all right, that's I, it's done now. It's set I mean, in stone. So I think it's <laughs> I think it's done. I, I mean, all three of us said eight and four. Um, the, the one stretch, and you guys mentioned this, and I totally agree. The stretch of Syracuse, Boston College, Wake Forest, uh, that three week, three and a half week stretch, if you count the the bye and you know the time off between the Thursday and Saturday game. You know, you get two of those games on the road. I, I think it does define your season. I, I do think Syracuse at home is going to be tough because I think Syracuse is, um, if you had to put one team right now in second place in the Atlantic on on paper, I, I do think it is Syracuse just based off of what we saw at quarterback when Eric Dungey was not playing last year. Right. Um, seems like it'll be a relatively smooth transition there. Um, I think NC State's got the capability to win all four um, in you know, the last day of August and all throughout September until the Florida state game that at Florida state. Now I, I'm not very high on the Seminoles either, but I, I think that game could be dicey just cause it's a road game and it's a tough place to play. If Florida state gets anything out of offensive line and or quarterback, uh, that could be a, that could be a tough game on the road. But then again, like if NC state gets off to a five and no start, it's almost impossible that in my mind that they won't reach eight wins at that point. So you know, I think you do win one one of Boston College, Wake Forest, maybe both. And I think if you get both of those games plus a five and zero start, I think you could be well on your way to, to nine wins because then it's Louisville rebuilding, Georgia Tech rebuilding, North Carolina. Who knows what that's going to look like? So again, you can talk yourself into eight nine uh, eight nine wins probably. And yep. if you're if you get unbelievable quarterback play, it could be the best season you've had there in in five years. I mean, who knows? It's that would be funny, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it? It would, and that's how college football works. So <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, I think the ACC is going to be a total crapshoot this year anyway. So it would not surprise me if they found a way to get nine or ten wins, even even with all the questions that they have at the quarterback position. But there are so many questions across the board in the ACC heading into the season that. Uh, it's really hard to handicap it, but I think eight and four sounds good. I, I, that is the tough part about the Atlantic, though. That's always it's like it feels like a Syracuse, NC State, Wake Forest, Boston College are all kind of in that same area right now, with Louisville clearly lagging behind. Maybe Boston College just a, a hair better, but just I, I could see Wake Forest 
I think they're being kind of overlooked this year a little bit. And uh, Syracuse, we know what they, they're returning off of that 10-win year. So either one of those three teams, I think, could easily finish right behind Clemson or even uh, Florida State, depending on how things sort out there. I have a weird feeling about Florida State this year, too, that they might be they might be pretty decent. If nothing else, because I, I have a hard time seeing a Kendall Bryles offense being nearly as inept as the one was last year. Um, not under Kendall Bryles' leadership, but... Even if you've got some offensive line issues, I think that that's a guy that can find a way to move the ball and score some points. And that's that's the thing that they lacked by far last year. So I, I think that could still be a dangerous game. Again, in Tallahassee, um, end of September, it'll be hot and sticky and nasty and all that. Um, you know, I, I think my big thought here is that if, if we're saying that the Vegas win total is seven, I'm probably betting the over, knowing that there's a decent chance I'm getting my money back, even even on a push. Um, I have a hard time seeing him win less than seven, just knowing the consistency that's been there since Dave Dorn's been there. But if you told me the total seven and a half, I'm leaving it alone because I I think there's a decent chance (laughs) it ends up at seven or, you know, something else. So I, I think that's my strategy. If it's at seven, take the over. If it's seven and a half, leave it alone. Sounds fair. Hmm. All right. Eight and four. That'll work. I think we're set on it. Yeah, I would be red eye, right? <laughs> no take backs. <laughs> We're in agreement. Okay, good deal. Uh, Mike, I think that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything else for Steven while we have him on? We have been begging for NC State participation in this podcast for like six months, by the way. So I feel really good. And I feel really good about this, too. This is this yeah. is solid. Steven, you've been a great guest. Thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you for joining us. Um, once again, Steven, uh, Steven Muma from BackingThePack.com on the SB Nation Network. Steven, you want to tell them, I guess, where they can find you on Twitter or plug any of your other stuff while you're on i don't have anything else to plug now it's backingthepack.com uh twitter handle is the same as the website at backing the pack and you can find me at akula wolf on twitter if you want to yeah and i'm told that you are officially the ceo of globex corp on backing the pack that is true took over from hank scorpio a couple years back (laughs) awesome well steven this has been great thank you so much for coming on with us um really appreciate your insights here and We'd love to have you back on sometime soon, either during the season or afterwards, to kind of recap how things went. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It's been fun. Awesome. Thank you, Stephen. You bet. Mike, that's Stephen Stephen Muma. Sorry, I keep tripping over my words. I'm tired. Um, (laughs) Good uh, good NC State preview there. uh, We're going to come back and preview some more teams. In the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can find Stephen Muma on Twitter at Akula Wolf, A-K-U-L-A Wolf, all one word, Uh, or on backinthepack.com. Highly recommended. They do do a fantastic job where they're covering NC State, um, all things, um, as a lot of SB Nation college football sites do. So highly recommended. Support those. Yeah. You can find us uh, on iTunes, Google Play, uh, the Overcast app. You can actually find us now on Spotify, Mike. You can find us on Stitcher. Huge. Yeah. We got some big, uh, big announcements coming your way. So stay tuned for those. Uh, basically, anywhere that you would be able to find podcasts normally, you can go find us. Um, and we, we ask that you do. Please hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. We really, uh, really trying to grow this thing. So appreciate your, uh, your support in doing so. Uh, you can find us on, uh, actually, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. I don't know. The, the, the Getting on the horse there was not was not all that great. That was not a very good, uh, not a very good lead in. I'll work on that. That's all right. 
Uh, Mike, you want to tell them where else they can find us in the social medias? We're still on Facebook, Joey. Yes, we are. We are, which is good. Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. Rate, review us on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends. Um, we've continued to grow this thing over going, wow, going to our fourth year now. Um, so it's been it's been a fun ride so far. We like to keep that rolling. Yeah, I had to label an episode the other day, season four, episode one. That was that was kind of a crazy feeling. So it's been a, a little trippy. Yeah, it's been a good ride here so far. But uh, in any case, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're all set, man. You want to come back and preview some more teams? Got to. Oh, we got to. We got to at this point. It is our duty. Uh, all right. Well, for that guy over there, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. And for Mr. Stephen Muma, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.